in this message series called Pray in This Way, where we're looking at um, the Lord's Prayer, which is a prayer that Jesus uh, gave as a template to us to know how to, to pray effectively. And um, you'll see on this bulletin here, this, this guy praying. Just to clarify, this is not me. I'm not like taking self, you know, photos of myself praying to... I wish I could grow that kind of hair right there. So I'm not able to do that anymore. So. But it kind of looks like me maybe a little bit. But anyway, yeah, we're, we're going through uh, the Lord's Prayer. You find the Lord's Prayer in two different places. We're looking mainly at Matthew chapter 6, though, and just taking it line by line and unpacking what um, the Scriptures tell us. And um, this is really the disciples, those closest to Jesus, came and asked him at one point, Lord, teach us how to pray. And so... He did. He basically said, Here, here's how you need to pray. And he begins to line out this template so that we know how to, how to pray with um, effectiveness, with balance. Um, because prayer is not to be, um, and we mentioned this last week, it's not like a vending machine where you just go to God, you insert your money, and out comes a Coke. You know, you don't just go and you pray and out comes the response immediately. It's not just like a vending machine. God is not, you know, the universal Pepsi man. And so he really, um, he responds to us, though, through prayer. He, he wants us to talk to him. Prayer is simply talking to him, just as you would um, another person's communicating, both out loud or even just silently. God can hear what we're saying. He can also understand what's going on in our minds. If we'll just direct our thoughts to him, God will listen to us. But he gives us this template here, and templates are very helpful, um, does anybody like templates when it comes to computers? Like, you know, you're building a PowerPoint presentation and you find the template. Who likes the template? Anybody just like to build their own? There's probably a few in the room. But most people, the majority of you, you know, you like the template. Um, who of you, when you're making cookies, um, you like the template. You like the little cutout thing, you know. I, at least I do. And I've made cookies. I have little kids. And I appreciate the fact that I can make a star that way because, you know, my idea would be to get out a knife and I'd probably cut one of my children or something on accident. But it's safer to just use the template. And in prayer, what we're given is a balanced approach to praying, to approach God with balance. And so just to review kind of some of the, the things we've looked at over the last few weeks, um, this is the Matthew 6, 9 through 11 is what we've looked at so far. It says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So the first line, which we looked at a few weeks ago, um, is first acknowledging who God is. Acknowledging that He is our Father. We can relate to Him as, as our Heavenly Father. Um, and praising Him for what He does in the world and what He does in our lives. This is the time to just say, God, You stand far apart from me and from all else in, in this universe. And I, I, the word hallowed, it means to make holy. And God is already holy, but basically us communicating you're holy. We're, we're attributing to you the holiness that is already yours. And so that's the first part of our prayer. It's, to, it's, a, it's a starting point. It's just recognizing that we're praying to a God who is far, far superior than we are. And then secondly, set your heart to advance his kingdom. The passage continues and says, Your kingdom come, your will be done. Basically, God is working out his plan in this world. He's got an agenda. He's working out his purposes and his plan. And it is happening in heaven right now. God is being worshipped before the angels. And there's this 
part of our prayers ought to be, God, would you, would you make that seen in heaven a reality in our world right now? And in my life, would you make your kingdom be what's important to me? Your will be more important to me than my will? And this is a difficult thing because all of us present to God, or we present um, our own agendas, our own purposes, our own plans. And so when we surrender our, ourselves to God in prayer, it really is a time to say, God, I'm going to set my will aside. I'm going to set my agenda aside. And I want to carry out your purposes. This really starts with making him the boss or the king. You know, if you're praying, your kingdom come, your will be done. You're acknowledging that he is the king or the boss of your life. The one who's calling the shots. And I know some of you may have made that decision at some point in your life. Maybe more recently. Maybe years ago. Uh, others of you, I know, have never made that decision. You're still in the process of thinking about what it would mean to enter into a relationship calling God your king. You know, bending the knee to the Lord is not something that um, you, you just automatically do when you're born into this world. We were born into this world with a set of problems and we bring inside of us just the potential for um, tremendous good because God's created us and also we have the ability to just live life completely independent of God. And so we are the ones, initially, we live our lives as king, as the boss. And so there has to be a point in your life, becoming a Christian is the point in time when you decide to make Jesus the king, making him the boss of your life. And so if you've done that, then you can truly pray this prayer. Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done. You've made him the king of your life. Um, and praying this way is really, is really helpful. Praying for God's kingdom and his will, it, it, it's a tremendous help to us. Um, because when life comes at you unexpectedly, you're able to just deal with it. You're able to respond to unexpected things in life. One of the things that somewhat of a shocker for us here at church is um, the response to our sports camp. You know, we had we thought we might get a lot, you know, a lot more, but you never really know. And then, you know, we've got a hundred and what did Aaron say, 180, 178 or something pre-registered. That's just pre-registered. Last year we had 60 pre-registered and 105 show up. So we're probably going to be in the 200 range. And so, But God had a plan and a purpose for, for this camp that we're doing. And, you know, we might have had our own plan and our own purpose and, you know, kind of our own um, idea. And then he introduces his plan. And this prayer is basically saying, God, I'm willing to work with your plan here. I'm going to let go of my plan. I'm going to work within... I'm going to work with what you've given us here because you've obviously thought this through. The next part of the verse goes on. It says, give us today our daily bread. And we looked at this last week. Basically, God wants us to ask him for things. He wants us to ask. He wants us to bring our requests to him regularly. The things that um, we need help on, our concerns, the concerns of others, um, our struggles. He just wants us to bring those things to him. As soon as they're a concern of ours, now, he, he wants to take that concern. And so we looked at the importance of just depending on him every day. And that's something that maybe you're not used to doing. Maybe you think, I can't talk to God like that. I can't ask him for things. He's really given us permission to approach him and to just say, here's what's on my heart, God. I know you care about me. You, you, you brought me to this point, And here, here's the new stuff going on that I just, he already knows about it, but he still wants us to express it to him. As a request, um, we talked about demanding, how it's really important to not demand from God, but to just ask God for the things that we need in our life. 
So that brings us today. Today, verse 12, it simply says, Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. In this, Jesus, he teaches us to develop a habit of forgiveness. He teaches us to develop a habit of forgiveness. You can follow along. There's a listening guide and there's pens on your chairs. And um, So he's teaching us about forgiveness, both getting forgiveness and giving forgiveness. We can receive forgiveness from others. We can receive forgiveness from God. And, and at the same time, we can give forgiveness away. People offend us. We can, we can say, you know, I forgive you. you. You've done wrong. If they come and ask you, you know, they say, I'm sorry for that. You, you have the opportunity to forgive people. And that's what this verse is about, Matthew 6, 12. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. The word forgive, in the original language, it means to send forth. Okay? To send forth. The, the picture here is to just release or to let go someone who is indebted to you. You no longer hold them. or They're no longer bound to you by what they've done. That's the idea of forgiveness. The debt has been erased. Okay? Um, wouldn't that be nice if, if that were the case across the board when we're in debt financially? Just the debts to be erased? Well, in relationships, this is the idea, is that when you're forgiving someone, you, you truly are letting it go. And this implies some different things. It basically means we're not going to make someone pay any longer for what they've done. If you say, you know, I've forgiven you. If someone comes and asks you to forgive you for, or forgive them for, let's say... Um, Let's say they talked harshly to you. You know, someone got angry with you, yelled at you. And then they recognize that was wrong. And they come to you and they ask you for their forgiveness. And you grant it to them. You're basically saying, I'm not going to hold this against you any longer. It's not that it didn't happen. But I'm not going to give you cold shoulders. I'm not going to use harsh words at you. Um, But true forgiveness is when you let it go. Okay? You let it go. That's really what forgiveness means. Um, wanted to highlight some of the things that forgiveness doesn't mean. You see it in your outline. Forgiveness doesn't mean that the pain is just going to all of a sudden go away immediately. You know, you've been hurt by someone. The pain automatically does not just leave, even after you've forgiven them. Just like a doctored wound takes time to heal. You know, if you, if you hurt your foot, that, that's going to take a while for for the pain to really go away. You can go into the doctor, they can you know, stitch it up, they can bandage it, they can put some ointment on it. But it still hurts, doesn't it? It's been, the, the wound has been addressed and doctored, but the pain is still there. And it's the same way in relationships. The consequences remain. If I've wronged someone, and then I go to them and say, you know what, I blew it. I did this to you, I said this to you. Would you forgive me? I, I recognize that was wrong. This is what I did. That was wrong. And they say, yeah, Josh, you're, you're forgiven. I forgive you for it. That did hurt. But, it, you know, the consequences remain, though, don't they? It hurts. If we've been hurt by others, it truly hurts. So we shouldn't expect people to just get over it. Sometimes we offend people, and then we ask them for forgiveness, and they do, and then we expect them to just get over it. I do this. I'm thinking, well, you said sorry. Can we just move on? But the pain does not go away immediately. So that's something to remember. Forgiveness doesn't mean that the pain goes away immediately. Secondly, it doesn't mean that we will forget what happened. Okay? It doesn't mean that we'll forget what happened. There's a fortune cookie saying. It goes, forgive and forget. Right? Forgive and forget. It sounds like it's a good Bible verse, but you're not going to find that in the Bible. 
It's just impossible to forget certain offenses, isn't it? You've been, if you've been hurt deeply by someone, it's, just, it's impossible to erase that from your memory. Now, you don't have to hold that against them. You can, you can let that go, but you can't just wipe that away. You're not going to magically just forget about deep, deep wounds, deep hurts in your life. So what you're saying here, when you forgive someone, it means that you don't nurse it. You don't just rehearse it in your mind and over and over and over try to relive that. But you just let it go. That's what forgiveness is, is just being willing to let it go and leave it, leave it to God to judge the situation. First Peter 2.23, I don't know if you have this in your outline, but it says, when they hurled, this is speaking of Jesus, it says, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. This is one of my favorite pictures of what Jesus did when he was mistreated before he was crucified. It says, they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He basically, he trusted the hurt to God. He, he was willing to entrust that situation. He was willing to entrust his life to God. And oftentimes, that's what we have to do. You know, we're not able to just forget about it, but we can trust the hurt to God and say, God, this truly hurt, but would you help me process that through the years? Would you help me process that in the weeks to come? I'm in pain here, but help me not to take it out on the person that I've just forgiven. So, forgiveness doesn't mean we'll just forget. Another thing is, forgiveness doesn't mean that we should pretend that the offense didn't matter. Um, you know, sometimes we hurt people and we think, Man, why are they making such a big deal about this? Or, or you know, it doesn't really matter. We've, we've exchanged, you know, communication where we're on better terms. But the truth is, someone always absorbs the cost of an offense. Someone always hurts. Someone always takes the cost on of a debt. And so in our case, in our lives, Jesus took upon himself for the sin of the entire world. He took all of our sin on himself. It wasn't that it just didn't matter. It wasn't that God just forgives us if we say, sorry God, I live life independent from you. But God came in, in Jesus and he took upon himself the sins of the world and he died. He suffered a cruel, cruel death on the cross. It really mattered. So forgiveness doesn't mean, it, you know, the offense didn't matter. You don't have to pretend that it doesn't matter. We really, we need to remember when, when we forgive, they, or when we ask someone to forgive us, they actually absorb that cost. It's not that it didn't hurt. Another thing is, forgiveness doesn't mean that things will be the same as before. You know, and the good thing is, by the grace of God, things can be much, much better. Depending on um, how your relationships have worked in the past. Maybe your relationships have been really good, and you know, you're able to mess up, clean it up, and move on. Maybe um, things haven't been that good. You know, things left unsettled. And, and relationships remain, remain um, damaged. And there's tremendous hurt that you carry with you. And you just can't go back to the way things were in the past. Maybe you, maybe you look back past in your life and you just see r- ruined relationships. And you just don't have a lot of friends from the past because of damage that's been done. If that's you, this is an area that, you, that we can ask God to say, God, would you help me to... to to see restored relationships and to experience good things even after I've blown it with someone. This is truly possible. By the grace of God, things can get much, much better, but they're, they're not going to be the same. And this, this is what comes in Christ. 
new things can really emerge if you'll do it God's way. If you'll yield your life to Jesus Christ, and if you'll begin to become, make it a habit of forgiving people, God can really restore relationships if you'll give Him time to do that. If you'll not try to control people, but if you'll just release it to God and say, God, I trust you with it, He can do that. Those are some things, just I wanted to start with that. What forgiveness doesn't mean, because sometimes we, we have a false idea of what forgiveness is by the media or by books we read. But this is a very, very important thing. Forgiveness for God is, is a huge, huge priority. That's the first reason why we need to make a habit of forgiveness is because it's a priority to the Lord. It's extremely important to God that we get forgiveness and that we give forgiveness to others. This, and we're going to look at why he tells us to do this. Remember how the Lord's Prayer starts. It says, what's the first line? Our, our Father. God wants things to be right between his children. You know, for those of you who are parents, you know how true this is. If you've got, if you've got children and your kids are fighting, how does that make you feel? You know, you're just like pulling your hair out and you're just, can you guys just get along? You're supposed to love each other. You're brothers, you're sister and brother. You know, you're going to have each other for a long time. Why can't you guys get along? You know, as a parent, just how much tension that is when the siblings aren't getting along, right? Well, God, He's in the same way, when His children are fighting amongst themselves, He wants those relationships to go right. He really wants us to learn how to get along with each other. And what you find is this is extreme, of extreme importance. This is a high priority. Look at Matthew 5, 23 and 24. This is Jesus, and He says, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. What you find here is that God... He doesn't just want our gifts as much as He wants our obedience in handling our relationships rightly. He doesn't just want us to you know, present all these things to Him if we're going to be careless in the way we treat people. Careless in the way we work on relationships and we work them out. This, this is, you know, the picture here is um, a picture that was normal for a, a, a Jewish family. A Jewish family would... Um, once a year, there was this day called the Day of Atonement where they would go and they would take a lamb and as a family, they'd present this lamb. The father would be responsible for this, but he would present this lamb to a priest who would offer this lamb to God. And in this act, there was a transfer of sin. Okay, The sin of the family and the sin of this, our sin basically being transferred onto this lamb and then being offered up granting forgiveness for God's people, okay? So there's this picture. He's saying, therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, if you've brought your lamb to be sacrificed, and there you remember that your brother has something against you, he says, he's saying, don't hand it to the priest to offer it. He's saying, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother. Then go back and offer your gift. That's the picture of what it was for them in those days. For us today, the picture is you come to worship. It's Sunday, you come to worship. You're ready to sing songs. You know, you've written out maybe some offering that you're going to give back to God. You're, you're just ready to, to offer yourself to God. And then you realize you've got something against someone or someone has something against you and it's not been settled. The Scripture says, don't offer your gift. Go and straighten it out. Get on the phone. 
You know, get on the phone, go outside. The, the beautiful thing nowadays, we all have cell phones. We can, you know, we can call someone and say, you know what? I just recognize that I, I blew, I've blown it here with you. And um, I need to ask you to forgive me. I'd like to do that in person, so can we get together? It's usually not good to clear up relationships over the phone. So that's, I would say, if you're at worship, maybe make a phone call to set up the time. Because that's the easy way out. Is, Sorry. <laughs> and we hang up, you know. Um, but that's the picture. You drop everything and you leave and you go and get it straightened out. This is a high priority to the Lord. I found this quote from um, a guy named John MacArthur. He's a pastor here in California. He said this. He said, True worship is not enhanced by better music, better prayers, better architecture, or even better preaching. True worship is enhanced by better relationships between those who've come to worship. And that, that is so true. There's a sweetness that, can, that we can experience together if our relationships are right. If you come to church and you, you, you hate most of the people there, and you're bitter at everybody, just think about that. Just think about that picture. Think about how, how displeasing that is to God. You know, we're singing, we're raising our hands, we're giving things back to Him. He, that's a mockery to Him. He's not pleased with that in any way. He wants us to straighten out our relationships first. So that's, it's a high priority. That's one of the most important reasons to have a habit of forgiveness. Another thing is this. We stay connected to the Father. We'll develop a habit of forgiveness. This is how we stay connected to the Father. Psalm 66:18 says, If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Meaning, if there's things that I'm holding on to that are unconfessed in my own life, sin in my own life that I'm not releasing, or relationships that are not right, then why would God listen to me? He, he turns His ear to it. He turns His ear away. He, it's not that He can't hear us, but as far as receiving an answer... As far as seeing him respond, the sin creates a blockage in our fellowship with God. We still have a relationship with God when we sin, but it creates a blockage in the line. And we, we have this broken fellowship issue if we have sin. Um, if you've ever admitted your sin to God, you've become a Christian, you've admitted your sin to God, you've accepted Christ as a Savior, the boss of your life, then what God does is he brings you into his family. And you won't pay for your sin in eternity. That's what Romans 6.23 says. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. You won't pay. If you're, if you're a Christian, you won't pay for your sin in eternity. But still, sin still blocks our fellowship with God. If we have sin in our life, it causes trouble in our relationship to God. And so we need to deal with it quickly. So Jesus, he tells us to do a heart check every day, to just check in with him and say, God, is there anything that I'm holding on to here? And just take the time to confess some things and get the lines of communication open so that you can relate to God clearly. There's nothing blocking your, your ability to hear from him, to listen to him. The way you do this is just simply ask God, God, would you show me some, anything in my life that, that is just holding me back from being able to rate, relate to you? Maybe there's a relationship or maybe there's some things that I've done that's offensive to you that I just, I've blown past some boundaries and I've not been willing to stop and, and recognize that that was wrong. So that's the starting point. It's just, and if, you know, if walking with God is something new to you or you're just processing what this all means, all this looks like is to just be by yourself wherever you're at, preferably where there's not a lot of distractions, just to sit there and to just, 
close your eyes or keep them open and just start talking to God. God, would you help me to see if I've blown it in any area of my life? Would you show me things? And what God will do is through His Holy Spirit, He'll begin to speak to you. He'll begin to show you areas where, where there's offense. You know? Well, you said this, Josh. You thought this, Josh. You did this, Josh. He begins to bring these things into, into our minds that we'd stuffed down and we thought, oh, I didn't realize I had to deal with that. And he'll bring it up. But God does this because he wants us to be freed up to relate to him. And, and it impacts our relationship with each other. So, but if we refuse to forgive other people, if there's, a, if there's a conflict in your relationship with others, then that will come between you and God. And, and if you're unforgiving, any of us, if any of us are unforgiving, then what we've done is we've grossly miscalculated our debt that we owe to God. We don't have a clear picture of, of, of how much we really owe Him. Just our refusal to forgive others, it just reveals how we've really forgotten the love and the grace that it took God to forgive us by sending His Son Jesus to die. We very easily we lose sight of that. Matthew 18, 21 through 35, um, Jesus tells a parable because Peter, and I don't think you have this on the screen, but it's, it's going to say this. It's Matthew 18, 21. It says, Peter came to Jesus and he asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? How many times do we have to keep forgiving people when they, when they offend us? Up to seven times, he asks. And then Jesus answers, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Actually, should read, 70 times 7, which if you do the math, is 490 times. Jesus is basically saying, you know, you can kind of keep track of 7 times or maybe even more than that, you know. But he's saying, he's taking this out of the realm of possibility of being able to keep track. Because we're going to mess up. We're going to blow it in our relationships. He's saying, just take it beyond the possibility of counting. You need to just be a forgiving person. You need to be willing to forgive each other. And then he tells a parable about a servant who owed his king 10,000 talents, which is the equivalent of millions and millions of dollars that this servant just could not pay. It was more money than all the Judeans and Samarians had to pay to Rome in a year. And this guy, his debt was being called upon by the king. And the king calls him for to pay him, and the servants, I have no way to do it, and I have no way to make that kind of money. And so he throws himself at the feet of the king. And he says, just have mercy on me. Because the king was going to sell this guy just to basically pay the debt. Just sell him and get some money out of him. And, you know, he pleads. And he says, please, just have mercy on me. And it says that the king, he was moved to compassion and he forgave the man his debt. He wiped it out. And then the man who is, who is forgiven, he goes out and he finds someone who owed him a hundred denarii, Scripture says. That's like lunch money, okay? And he says, hey, you owe me. And he, he demanded his money. Well, the king finds out about it. And what does he do? He throws the, the ungrateful, unmerciful servant in prison. And there's this line at the end of Matthew 18 uh, in the parable. And it says, it says, In the anger his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my Heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. He's saying you need to just be forgiving. This is, don't keep track, just continue to be forgiving. So straighten things out right away. Another thing is this, if we, if we develop a habit of 
forgiving, we're protected from the bitterness or from the ruin of bitterness. Bitterness grows in, it starts with an offense. Hebrews 12.15, it says this, it says, See to it that no one misses the grace of God or no one miscalculates your debt and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See, if we're not careful, we miscalculate our debt and then we begin to take offense at people and bitterness begins to grow in our life and it begins to defile our life. It takes control of us. Left on its own, the weeds of bitterness will just choke out your life. Choke out the, all the good stuff will be choked out by bitterness. Just like weeds in your lawn. Man, as hard as I try to keep my lawn green, the weeds grow faster than the lawn. I don't know why that is. I can't keep the darn weeds out of my lawn. I try to treat the things, but they just grow up. The only way to get them out is what? You pull them. You get them out by the root. And it's the same way. When you're offended, when someone hurts you, someone leaves you out of their plans, you weren't invited to somewhere, someone breaks a promise to you, you're offended in some way, that turns into anger. If you're not careful, anger will turn into resentment. Resentment over time turns into bitterness, which is this just fixed tension. It's this painful animosity towards another person. And what we have to do is we have to rip that stuff out by its root and let, let it go before it chokes out our life. It's, it's really, like the Scripture says, bitterness, it grows like a cancer and just takes over. So, let that stuff go. Refuse to, to let anger turn into resentment and bitterness because it will take over. I experienced this once, well, many times. I've experienced resentment and bitterness, but I've experienced the way that it really choked out the life. Now, this is about 11 years ago. I had a really rough experience in a job I was working. It didn't end well. And um, I felt really mistreated and I felt really offended. And as I left the, the job, and I tried to straighten out the, the relationship, it got worse. And, and then I got angry, in a sense, and somewhat bitter and resentful, to where any time anybody asked me about that job or, or that experience, man, everything just, everything came back up to where I got really angry at the people involved, at the situation, and just really, really, man, it had taken root. This bitterness had taken root. Until someone, and really what it was, was the church that we were a part of, put a strong emphasis on this clearing up relationships and and this this issue was raised in my life. God wants me to to be reconciled to people and to, to not let this bitterness take over and and I had to let some things go. And I did. And the amount of freedom and blessing that came through just letting it go and then entrusting it to God, man, it really, really made a difference in my life. And what happened was years later, God began to show me why I went through all that. And He began to just prove His faithfulness through that situation. And, but I just encourage you to, to not let things turn into resentment and bitterness because it will, it will wreak havoc in your life. Real quickly, let's wrap up with these three or four points. How do we make forgiveness a habit? First, you confess it. You, you confess it. First John 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So it starts with confessing your sins and just asking God to forgive you. Sin that is not confessed cannot be forgiven. Now, if you've already committed your life to Christ, God has you know, He's paid your sin through Jesus Christ. 
So you won't have to pay in, in eternity. But sin still blocks your fellowship and you still need to confess your sin to God so that you can have relationships, so you can have fellowship with God each day. That's the condition you see here. It's, it comes upon us confessing and God wipes it clean again. He, he restores our fellowship with Him. Confession basically is just to say it with God, to agree with Him that what we've done was wrong. And sometimes you really have to wrestle to get to that point because we're very, very good at justifying our actions. And so if you have to wrestle with, with this, it's okay. Wrestle with it. Wrestle with the, the struggles. Wrestle with things God brings to your mind and just, God, I'm willing to, to be corrected in this area. Another thing is just refuse self-righteousness. Refuse self-righteousness. This is the way that it sounds when we're being self-righteous. I would have never done that thing. Or, I've never, I would have never said that. Or, man, I can't believe that guy did that. Or that girl did that. Can you believe that? Man. What that is, is it's pride. Pride is a major, major problem for us. And it's, this, it's a major barrier to forgiving other people. If we have pride in our lives, then we just will not forgive. If, we don't, if we're not willing to admit that we would have made the same mistakes if given the opportunity, then that, that's self-righteousness. The truth is, we all have within us the potential to just ruin our lives by our choices. And it's easy to, to put um, levels on sin and say, you know, that thing is just so much w- worse than the things I struggle with. But the truth is we all have the potential for some pretty bad things. It's inside of us. So we just need to watch self-righteousness. You could look this up later. Luke 18, uh, verse 9 through 14, tells the story of two men who come to pray. One is a self-righteous Pharisee, a religious leader, and another is a tax collector. And the self-righteous Pharisee, he lifts himself up and he says, man, I'm just better than this other guy here. And we need to be careful that we don't do that because that, that's a real problem. So refuse self-righteousness. Choose humility. Third thing is just be kind and compassionate. Be kind and compassionate. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, tender heart, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. The word compassion basically is the picture of seeing life from another person's perspective, trying to get into their vantage point and, and have, have compassion on someone. Feel from the other person. See the situation through their eyes. Trying to consider what they're going through so you know what they're really experiencing. That's what it means to be compassionate. And, and the truth is, if you've been forgiven this mountain of debt that we all owe God because we all have lived life independent of God, if we've come to grips with that and we've asked God to forgive us, then what that should do if we've experienced God's forgiveness, is it should just melt our hearts. It should soften our hearts towards other people. Say, God, you've been so good that you've forgiven me for all that I've ever done in my life. Everything I've done. What that does is it softens our hearts for the people that are around us that are struggling, that are going through things. Because we understand just how good God is and gracious He is to forgive us. And if you're walking with God, the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you, He is going to move you to forgive. He's going to move you towards compassion. That's the direction He's going to pull your life in. Last thing is just trust in God's purpose for you. Trust in God's purpose for you. Romans 8, 28 and 29 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him and who have been called according to His purpose. 
For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. When we get burnt by someone, when someone offends us, and we're burning up on the inside over what they've done and how they've, how they've messed with us or how they've ripped us off or whatever, has, whatever offense is there, the picture here is just let God take that hurt and weave that into something good for you in your life. And you know what? That's on His timetable. It's not on ours. There's a story in Genesis 37-50. through 50, The story of Joseph, a man in the Old Testament who he was ripped off over and over and he cheated and mistreated and he continued to just entrust his life to God and God made good out of his life. And he saved many people through the life of this man, Joseph. But he was willing to just trust him. So do that. Ask, let it go and ask God, would you turn that into good? I don't know how you'll do it, but would you do that? On the back, you'll see there's some next steps. And just encourage you to look through those. And this really is a commitment to, to, to the Lord. So if there's something that God is asking you to do out of one of these, maybe memorize that verse. Maybe just ask God to help you forgive. Not, don't just let the wound fester. If you hurt yourself, generally, and someone comes close to a wound, you say, hey, stay, 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 stay away. Don't touch, don't, don't touch it. The picture here is just to be willing to let it go and to let people come close. Otherwise, you'll just have a string of broken relationships and you'll end up being a very disloyal person who's not able to hang in with people over a long period of time. There's a couple other things. Make it a habit to seek forgiveness or to be forgiving. So whatever God's asking you to do, I'd encourage you to respond to Him. And um, Let's pray together. God, we, we thank You for Your Word. Once again, God, we thank You for the just this area of prayer, Lord. And as we've looked at all the different elements that you've said are part of, should be part of our prayer lives, um, God, we, we see just how real and practical this stuff is. God, we're confronted with um, this area of forgiveness today. And Lord, we pray that you'd, um, you'd help us to pinpoint areas in our life. Maybe there's just some sin in our lives, things that have piled up that we've not been willing to... Uh, confess and let go of and repent of, turn away from. So God, I pray maybe that's a starting point. I pray you'd, you'd help us, God, for, if you're speaking to us in that way, Lord, I pray you'd, you'd help us to, to, to take action today, to get some time with you, get alone, and just to let you speak to us in those areas. Or if it's a relationship with others, God, I just pray that you'd show us specifically what we've done to offend people. Help us to name that sin. Lord, if it's, if it's hurtful words, if it's harsh words, if it's cold shoulders, if it's um, you know, whatever it is, Lord, we pray that you'd help us to pinpoint that sin and then to go and to get those things straightened out today so that we can really um, receive forgiveness from you so we can stay in fellowship with you and others. Thank you for speaking to us this morning, God. We commit this, the rest of this service to you in Jesus' name. Amen.